this is your hideout? How did I not know this before? <laughs> well, I guess I did because of the red clay residue on your shoes all the time and the faint smell of moss in your hair. So, I guess I kind of did know, but hey, we can still pretend I didn't. So, we can do this the easy way. I slowly break your fingers one by one until you give me the code. Or we can do it the hard way. Thoughts? Ah, just because I'm never gonna grow a big stupid beard doesn't mean I'm not good in a scrape. I am tough. I'm supposed to be out there with you. Ah, boys suck! Hello and welcome to Hello Gamer the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and I'm joined today by Maureen Price. Hello. Whom you may remember from various anime such as Sword Art Online, Cells at Work, and a bunch of other titles that I that yeah. I am completely blanking out on because I am a That's professional. Okay. Those are those are my favorites. <laughs> those are the only two big ones I recognize. Like everything after that, I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what that is. I'm sorry. Yeah, SA was probably probably the biggest anime at the moment. I mean, it was like for a while. I mean, I remember. Mm-hmm. Back in like 2014, it was like pretty popular back in like 2014. But nowadays, it's like with it, the first season. Yeah. 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 But nowadays, it's kind of like it's it's one of those things where it's like still going. OK, it's <laughs> still a yeah, thing. I mean, it's still um, I think the some of the most recent episodes. Yeah, they because they air on Toonami here in the US. So it still gets gets a lot of attention since it's you know airing on Toonami. Which is always exciting. That was very exciting for me. No, but while I... Oh, yeah, that must have been... Like, what was your reaction to, to, to watching something that you were on on, like, um, Toonami? It was cool. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, one of the things that was interesting was... Uh, so when I would watch the episodes as they aired, I was also on Twitter at the same time. So I was kind of, like, doing a... Like I was, li- I would live tweet the episodes, and that was really fun to interact with the fan base. And yeah, everybody was really nice to me, so I was very relieved about that. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was interesting too, because I'd never had anything um, that was airing on TV where you could kind of like live tweet the experience of it in that way. So that was the most fun thing for me was just being on Twitter and interacting with all the fans. That was that was really cool. No, because I was just thinking about like you know anime dubs and and people like sometimes wonder well why why do they take like sometimes like some dubs take a while to air and i know like some people complain about like why why do some anime take like two or three years to to get an official english dub and i'm like yeah because of licensing yeah because of licensing issues and Mm -hmm. various people but one of the things I love about a- animes that do that do take some time to to get an official English dub is the is the fact that you know you get to see voice actors promoted for one English voice actors promoted for one and and like like you said like um you live tweet it and you interact with a fan base and you know you don't you just don't get that when it's when it's like not airing. No, that's definitely that's definitely something that tends to just come with something that's, you know, being broadcast on, you know, national network television, which doesn't happen with a lot of anime. I mean, typically that just happens, you know, with the shows that get, end up on the um on Toonami. Cuz yeah, the rest of it's pretty much like, you know, all on streaming platforms like Netflix and Crunchyroll and Funimation and all that. So, yeah, it's not that often that you have the experience of getting to watch something, you know, airing on TV at the same time as the fans of the show are also watching it. 
yeah, that do- that doesn't happen very often because yeah, it's usually it's on a streaming platform somewhere. So yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, that's been a topic on the podcast for a while where we, I've discussed about um, about the fact that people seem to really don't like the idea of like streaming platforms releasing uh, one episodes per week. And I'm like, do you guys not realize that that's the way it's been for television since the beginning yeah, that's of how TV work? <laughs> yeah. These are very young people who maybe did not grow up with like regular TV as a primary source of entertainment. Yeah. An episode a week was how it all used to be. There was no such thing as as binging before we had streaming platforms. Um, but yeah, so, you know, some anime, like if it's if it's a dub that's specifically for Netflix Usually with Netflix, we will dub we'll dub the entire season and then release it all at the same time. That's typically the way Netflix likes to work. Whereas on some of the other platforms like Funimation or Crunchyroll, um, we do do uh, simul dubs where we're you know we're dubbing an episode a week, which is as fast as we can do it. Um, and so that way the episodes do come out once a week. So it, it really depends on the platform and on what kind of licensing that particular show has. Because uh, sometimes if it's if the show is, you know, if it's a simul dub, then the show is also airing in Japan at the same time. And we're usually like a couple of weeks behind um, with the dub. So, yeah, it just depends. It just depends on the licensing and the platform and all that stuff. No, I remember. Inside, how the sausage <laughs> gets made. <laughs> Now, I remember like back in 2014 when they announced for the first time that they were going to be doing simul dubs. And my reaction was, are you guys insane? Because like, there's no way there's no yeah, way you initially... can make that. You, there's no way you can make that work because it's like, you know, the dubbing. We figured it out now. Like, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it down to a science now. But yeah, at the beginning, it seems like, wow, that's a real challenge to try to, you know, be putting out an episode a week because, you know, you've got to think like any individual episode of anime takes so many people and so much time to make because it's got to be spotted and then it's the script has to be adapted and then all the actors have to be scheduled and then it's got to be mixed and you know all the final touches put on it and then sent off to whoever is broadcasting it you know there's it's there's a lot of moving pieces and it takes time it takes a lot of people <laughs> to make a single episode of an anime dub yeah, because I, I I recently like watched a behind the scenes video on YouTube of what the average dubbing process is, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, it sounds absolutely nightmarish because because you have to have someone who gets the raw Japanese um the Japanese episode, and they have to look like frame by frame, look at every single lip flap, mm-hmm. and just make a note of it. For the actors. Yeah, man. The, the people who do the spotting, which yeah. is like getting all the time codes right and so that then it goes on to the person who is the who's gonna write the script and adapt the script. Um, man, those people they're thank goodness for them because that's a that's not an easy job. That's a really time consuming, tedious job. And so I'm so glad that there are people who are willing to sit there and do that because it takes forever. And then you have to make sure that the when you release it subbed, you got to make sure that you got to localize the subtitles to, to make them sound coherent instead of a direct translation because, you know, English yeah. and <laughs> in Japanese English and Japanese are very, very different languages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so, um, you know, you do get like when it when it comes to like, um, you know, back in the day when when I remember me and my cousin 
would watch like illegal fan subs, the subtitles would be <laughs> would be really terrible because yeah. <laughs> because they 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 were done by someone in like just one guy probably and, and they were just like really awful because I remember we tried watching this LVA and it, and there was no English dub for it. So it's like okay, we'll just watch it subbed, but the but the but the only copy my cousin had at the time was an unofficial bootleg, and we tried watching oh, it yeah. and it was we we couldn't. It was really terrible. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but that's you know one of the things that makes you know adaptive writers who work in anime you know it's it's a real skill and to be able to take you know because they get the subtitles from the translators. And to to maintain the the meaning and the intention of each line, but to rework it in such a way that it's going to make sense to an English speaker's ear. Um, that's a real that's a real art. And the people who are very good at it, you know, they're very good at what they do. And thank goodness, because the shows are so much better when you have a really skilled uh, scripted after working on it. Because, um, yeah, that's. It's a real skill. I have a lot of respect for. I have m- many of my friends are are they write the scripts for anime episodes, and I have so much respect for what they do because it's it's really challenging to make it to make it flow and to make it sound natural in English, uh, but to just still you know make sure everything's fitting the lip flaps and the timing and all of that. Like it's 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 quite a skill. They they don't get enough appreciation. No, I mean it's because I've just been watching like a lot of videos about like the process of like what takes to, you know, like what it what how much you know the pieces come together when it comes to English dubbing and and my God, it's just it amazes me that that um, that people can look at something like that and just like write it off as ah whatever, who cares about dubs, but. Clearly, well, like the people, know, clearly, yeah, like the people, goes into it. yeah, like clearly the people making the thing care because there's a lot oh, of yeah, effort, we care a lot. <laughs> like, there's a lot of effort put into it. And especially when it comes to the Netflix dubs, because the Netflix dubs are, you know, they're getting, you know, there's the, the whole new SAG-AFTRA deal where they can yes, use, yes. um, where they can use like actors like, you know, Alara Jill Miller in Beastars and, well, and anybody who's yeah. in SAG, um, yeah. You know, which that's, you know, that's a whole interesting conversation, you know, in terms of union and non-union and all the politics of that. And it, it gets really complicated. But, yeah, when um, it was maybe two years ago-ish when Netflix said all of our if it's a Netflix original series that um, all of them will be sag after jobs. And for many of us, that was very exciting because <laughs> uh, if you're in the union, you want to work union jobs. So um, that opened up a lot uh, you know, for, for union actors, because I'm also a union actor, and that was very exciting. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's a quality difference there. Well, yeah, because it's it's kind of funny looking back at some of the older, like, 90s anime dubs. And... Oh, yeah, that's apples and oranges at this point, <laughs> night and day. And like we've, how... we've gotten a lot more sophisticated with our dubbing, and dubbing's actually really, really good now. Well, I mean, there are still some questionable liberties taken with some dubs which i'm kind of not a fan of that i pointed out like I, I i'm not a fan of inserting like random american pop culture references just for the sake of a oh, cheap yeah. laugh I, mean, I, I just that's not being true to the original script um you know i think it depends on you know again like licensing and who the um you know it 
there are some shows where they can get away with that because I guess the um, like the the Japanese company like they just don't care. They're like knock yourself out, do whatever. But then others, you know, it's very much no no real liberties are taken beyond just what you know it needs to adapt the script for an English audience. But yeah, no, I I don't think that you know for your for your average dub that we should be changing and changing references and things like that just for for comedy. Um, I think it should be what it is. You know. The, the meaning and the intent should still be the same. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, because because sometimes it, like, I mean, because sometimes it just comes up comes across like you're you're just doing it because you don't want to dub this, but you're like contractually contractually obligated to dub this, so you're just like, okay, we'll just try to do like a gag dub, and I'm like, uh, it's just I, I, don't, I don't like that. That, that doesn't I happen too often, not in like the the higher spheres of dubbing that doesn't really happen too often because um yeah that's i guess that's more of like a an indie dub thing because because you can get away with it like most of the stuff that i'm working on they wouldn't be able to get away with just writing whatever they wanted it's just that just wouldn't happen because you know quite often with the dubs that i work on the japanese clients are often there sitting in to make sure that that they're happy with what's happening with the dub so yeah and they get they get the final say and that's another thing that the people who don't like dubs, you know, uh, co- constantly keep missing the point of. It's like, yeah, the dub has been approved by the official Japanese clients. They have looked at this. They're, they they yeah. they they have the last. They've given it the, yeah. the okay. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you, uh, you know, if you're a Japanese creator and you want your, you know, your franchise or your show or whatever to to be as successful as possible. Of course, you want as many people in the world to be able to enjoy it as possible, right? So, and the English market is going to be one of the biggest ones. So, yeah, of course, they're going to prioritize that. Um, but quite, yeah, quite often, um, you know, I've had Japanese clients in in the sessions uh, with me to make sure that they were happy with how everything was going. And um, so, yeah, it's they're they're approving everything. <laughs> So it just it just kind of and and then and sometimes it you know with with that being in mind it kind of just seems odd that they would just like sometimes say I do whatever you want you can like add in like a an American pop culture reference here and there we don't care <laughs> just it, again there are a lot of variables so you yeah. know some clients might think that's interesting to you know more like Americanize the dub more and other clients may you know not want anything changed at all it just depends you know and it's it really is up to them because it's their original content so you know it just depends on what they want some people are more cool with liberties being taken and other people aren't and that's okay i mean well that's that's well the nature of the business when when it comes to um adapting anything sometimes you know the the original author is going to be okay with it sometimes they're not going to be okay with it like i know that the that the Netflix dub of um, of Evangelion was, came under a lot of fire, and most of those changes came from the company. Like it wasn't Netflix coming in saying, "Okay, we're going to do com- something completely different." That came from you know the company that they wanted those changes. Like they specifically told them, "Okay, we want this, 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 and this." You know, and um, those changes were just not good because you know. Fans and sometimes like the clients, you know, people get, you know, riled up about pronunciations on things. Sometimes the client wants us to pronounce it a specific way that might not be 
the way that a Japanese speaker would pronounce something. Um, and so that's always interesting because sometimes there are some clients who kind of like a more um, Americanized pronunciation. Like I, sometimes I think they like that. And so that's, that's what they want. And, um, you know, because quite often in scripts, we'll have very specific, you know, pronunciation guides for certain things like this is because you want to have consistency throughout. So every actor is saying, you know, a name or a place name or whatever the exact same way, because otherwise it's a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, sometimes like the, the difference in pronunciation, I may walk in and, you know, say something the way that it would be pronounced in Japanese. And they're like, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're actually going to say it this way. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it just depends. It's, it really just depends on who's in the driver's seat. Yeah, because sometimes there are cases of um, of actors saying the the name uh, a way, uh, pronouncing a name uh, a typical way a Japanese speaker would, and sometimes it comes off of someone uh, of a. Uh, sometimes it comes off as an American saying it. Yeah, and the actors. That's not ever our decision. We're always told how to pronounce things. Yeah, because sometimes it's like Shoto. Or Shoto, 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 you know. It's whatever they tell us to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of, that. that's kind of, that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who has like a difficulty with like Japanese names because like I'm, you know, I, I have to listen to someone say them first because I'm like, okay, how do you pronounce this? Because it's, because mm-hmm. they're, because they can be like really complicated and, you know, and there are various pronunciations and people get riled up if you say it wrong. And ugh. so that's why I, every time I watch an anime, I'm like, OK, I'm just going to start calling them like my own pet names for the for these characters, because I know someone's going to get mad if I mispronounce someone's name. <laughs> I mean, of all the things to be angry about in the world, that seems like pretty low on the list. <laughs> well, I mean, have you been on the Internet? Have you seen the stuff people get oh, angry? I, about? I mean, I'm in anime dub actor on the internet so yes i'm very aware i try to avoid that oh god you you must uh you must get like a lot of weird stuff well you must have seen a you lot know, of weird I, stuff I, don't, I mean i've seen a lot of weird stuff but fortunately i don't get too much um uh whatever you want to call it <laughs> negative attention i guess um yeah fortunately i haven't really had to deal with too much of that personally um that's probably because I, I keep a pretty low profile online, so yeah, I like to, I like to avoid any and all drama if possible. Which is great because nowadays, with everyone being stuck at home and glued to social media more than ever, it's kind of yeah. Yeah, that's been interesting. <laughs> I've I feel like I've been on social media less over the past year than ever before. Um, which is probably counter to a lot of people's experience over the last year, um, just out of like mental health necessity. <laughs> so I've, you know, just been like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back from social media right now. There's so much going on. And yeah, it's you just got to do, you got to do what's best for you sometimes. And if that means stepping away from social media, then so be it. It will be there. It'll be there when we get back. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. No, I mean, I don't blame you because, um, there are like a lot of days where like I'll update my Twitter feed, like with just like reblogging stuff or posting like random, like whatever random thought comes into my mind. But there are some days where I just like, just stop using it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go on Twitter anymore. I'm just like, I just want to focus on other stuff. I just want to 
I don't know, watch old episodes of an anime series or a cartoon or whatever and just try to forget about all the nonsense that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, you have to take breaks from that. It's can really get you down if you if you're not um like checking in with yourself like am I doing okay? <laughs> How am I feeling? Is this really is it is it best to be on Twitter right now or is it best to maybe get offline and, you know, do something else? I'm always asking myself that. And it's kind of, it, it kind of sucks when you discover like something really, really, you know, you're really get, you really get passionate about like a TV show or, or um, something and you just like want to talk to another person about it, but all the places you yeah. go to are just filled with yeah. negativity. And it's like, am I the only one who likes this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think people more often want to broadcast their negative thoughts and opinions about things rather than their positive thoughts and opinions about things. I'd rather talk about the things that I do like and the things that are exciting and that make me happy and that are enjoyable than the stuff that I don't like because, man, life's too short. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's that's why, like, every time I see, like, there's discourse about something really, really stupid and petty on Twitter, I'm like, come oh, on, guys. yeah, that's guys. when I just walk away. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come you on. you think, like, you know, when I'm nearing the end of my time in this world am i gonna look back and be like gosh i wish i had gotten involved in that twitter feud no of course not you're gonna be like wow i'm glad i didn't spend as much time on that and i was you know out doing interesting things in the world instead that's what we're gonna look back on and it kind of creates this weird feeling of like you, you watch someone's twitter feed and they just like spew like a lot of angry political takes or what have you, but then when you talk to them, you know, one-on-one, like, they're really sweet and nice, and they're like, oh, what, politics? What politics, you know? Yeah, people's and, uh, online or social media personas can be <clears throat> very different than who they are in real life, very much so. Yeah, because, and I think that's the problem with social media. It just, be, it just creates this toxic environment where mm-hmm. it's it's the kill or be killed, <laughs> you know, mentality it's of... true, yeah. ...of... Um, you know, how to survive in a toxic environment, become a toxic person and, and, you know, toxic, toxic, toxicity feeds toxicity. And it just becomes this, just this becomes this nightmare, a a dumpster fire nightmare. Yes. And that's That's kind of Twitter in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's like, again, I've said this many, many times and, but it's true. If I didn't have to promote this, podcast or any of my other work i wouldn't be using social media because i don't see the the point in it i mean yeah sure it's nice to go on twitter and vent about pointless stuff but at the end of the day like who cares like you know a lot of i mean famous voice actors like a couple famous voice actors who have been on the show and and i know and uh follow me on twitter but i don't interact with them on a daily basis so i'm kind of like you know, does that mean anything? You know, I'm being followed by this person. Does that mean anything? But no, it doesn't because at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not having a conver- I'm not having a one-on-one conversation with that person. I don't know them personally. It's just, hey, you know, follow me back on Twitter. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those it, most social media relationships are not, you know, it's not equivalent to the real thing. I mean, even with people that you that you know personally. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I would be on any social media 
if my job didn't really like require me to do that in a sense. Um, and so sometimes I'm very envious of people who, you know, have very successful careers doing things where having a social media presence is totally irrelevant to what they do. That's, uh, they're lucky. <laughs> they're so lucky that they can be very successful and have very fulfilling careers, but social media doesn't really have to play any part in that based because of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm envious of that sometimes. And I also think it's kind of bullshit that, um, casting directors will look at someone's num the number of Twitter followers and, and see like, and just rate them on that. Say, okay, we want this person cause they have like for the role, because we want to have, they have X amount of followers or they tell they tell actors like, Oh, you know, we need to promote our show. Um, how many Twitter followers do you have? How many Instagram followers do you have? And can you promote, can you promote our I mean, show on your social media? I'm not and I'm saying like, that that <laughs> doesn't happen. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but, it's never happened to me. I've never had anybody ask me. I've never had a producer or a casting director ask me about my social media before. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a large following on any platform, probably because I put very little effort into any of my social media. Um, and so it's possible that not having a high follower account or having tons of engagement has potentially cost me work, but I, I don't know. Um, no one's ever asked me uh or told me, hey, we're going to check out your your social media platforms to see what you've got going on there. That's n that's never happened um, to me. But once you get into, you know, higher tiers, um, it might. I just I just don't have any personal experience with that. Um, thank goodness. And I I really do hope that that becomes less and less important. Um, because it's certainly no indication of anyone's skill as a performer. You know, having a lot of social media followers does not equal talent, you know? So I, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how much that's really happening um, on any given project, but I mean, maybe I just don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to talk to some of my other friends about that if they've ever um, had a producer or a casting director ask them about that or tell them that yeah you we pick you because you have 175,000 Twitter followers like I, I don't know um, I, I feel like it might get a little bit overblown but I'm not 100% sure it just has never happened to me I mean yeah I mean it might be overblown it might not be but I mean I've I've heard cases of people saying that like big name voice actors being told hey you know you, we want you to promote this on your social media how many followers oh, do yeah. you I mean, have <laughs> if, if you have if, if you are you know quote-unquote famous and you've got a massive following on any particular platform yeah of course i mean you're gonna be expected to promote a project that you're in and i mean i'm always happy to promote whatever i'm working on um because i want people to know that i'm working on this thing and that's really cool and um yeah i mean i have no problem promoting the stuff that i'm in i've never had anybody tell me you have to but again, if you're talking about, you know, top, top of the top <laughs> in terms of like projects and actors and that might be different, but I don't work in that like top A-list upper echelon. So maybe things are very different up there than they are from, from where I am. But yeah, I hope that as time goes on, it'll be, it'll be less and less important. Like I, I hope that people kind of get that out of their system. Um, but I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens in the next, you know, five years.
I mean, if we're still around in the next five years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a given. Well, the way things are going right now, it's kind of like you just wonder, like, fuck, man, am I going to be alive for the next five years? (laughs) I mean, fingers crossed. (laughs) But no, um, no, I'm just I just think that. You know, with with anything, you know, social media just like makes everything worse, and it's just been a just it com- often can yeah, <laughs> it's just been a complete blight on on civilization, and you know, it doesn't help that we are, we are put in a position of being stuck at home and not socializing with with each other properly, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be. I've been thinking about that because you know, here in the U.S. Um, it seems like a lot of vaccines, it t- just for context, today is March the 7th, uh, 2021. It seems like a ton of vaccines are on their way, and they're saying that there should be enough for every American adult, I think, by the end of April or May. So that's very soon. I mean, if, if that ends up being the case, um, things are about to look very different here. And um, it's it's going to be strange going back into more quote-unquote normal social settings again i feel like we're all gonna be <laughs> really awkward it's like we haven't been around each other in so long um i know i feel like i'm gonna be really awkward <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that goes but even then you still got to be careful because you know vaccines are not a cure they're just you know makes your body more you know <laughs> well if everybody's vaccinated then the odds of you know any disease getting a foothold really difficult so once everybody's vaccinated, things are going to be opened up again. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's definitely what's going to be happening with the studios. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that all starts to reopen again. Uh, very much looking forward to that because <laughs> I will not miss um, doing all my sessions in my closet. I will not miss that. <laughs> very ready to be back. Yeah, and I've I've talked about this before, but um, I do see like some like the major content creator like content you know content uh what do you call it studios opting to continue doing you know uh source connect or zoom recordings because it's much i doubt it <laughs> cheaper I really for them doubt it. <laughs> no here's the thing one of the reasons why you know in terms of animation and games and things like that that we've always done it in studio is because sounds a lot better and the studios want to have everybody recording in the same space in with the same microphone even if they're individual recording sessions and aren't group group records they want everybody on the same mic they want everybody in the same place so they can have consistency throughout everybody's uh, sessions because it makes it a lot easier to mix so they're (laughs) certainly from an engineer and like the people who do all the mixing they want everybody back in the studio for sure and um, I, I honestly, I do. It's, it's a lot easier for the studios just to have the actors come in. It really is easier for them. And um, particularly with group records, because I've done some online group records. And oh, man, what? <laughs> it can be a real mess because if you've got eight actors and a director and the engineer all on the Zoom call and one person's Internet is not great that day or there's too much noise for somebody else or somebody just keeps dropping out, the whole session grinds to a halt, and it takes so much longer to do a group record remotely than it would in person. So as soon as 
it's safe to be doing that again, I guarantee you, particularly for group records, oh my goodness, for group records, they're going to want everybody back in the same room because it makes life so much easier for them. And that's just speaking to somebody who's been on some, some remote group records. That's, that is accurate. Like nobody wants to be doing those group records from home because also you can't see each other. And so, you know, so much of that is, you know, being able to see, see the people around you um, that, yeah, I, we're going to be back in studio for, for most things. I think once, once it's open again, I'd be shocked if that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, just look, just thinking about, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Like they, they even, some of these projects got even off the ground by recording via, via zoom calls or social connect because it's just it's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when this all first started and we went from, cause I think the last session I had in a studio before everything shut down, was maybe like almost exactly a year ago. Um, and you know, as far as dubbing is concerned, because recording, you know, when you're not doing ADR, you're not dubbing, it's much simpler process uh, because you're not matching picture, you're not matching flap. And when this all started, I was like, I don't know how we're going to be dubbing from home. I just don't know how that's going to happen. And for the first couple of weeks, I was like, there, we're not going to be able to figure this out. There's just no way we're going to do this. Well, how wrong was I? Um, I've done so much dubbing. <laughs> Uh, from my closet but the thing is it's it's really challenging because no matter how good your internet is there's always going to be a little bit of lag with the zoom because we typically like uh, the way that we do it is I'll get the script ahead of time I'll pull that up on uh, my iPad and then I have another monitor here and that's where I'll have like you know the window for for my uh, recording and then also the the zoom window so that I'm they're basically sharing their screen with me so I'm seeing the picture that they have up in the studio and with dubbing it's very difficult when no matter how good your internet is you're still like a couple of frames off and there's just really no way around that um, so I feel like everybody's had to get even better at, at their ADR skills because it's it's not as um, exact as it would be in studio where there is no lag at all you're you know you're seeing it exactly as the director and the engineer are seeing it so that's been one of the the biggest challenges and sometimes you know it's been a bad internet day and I am like seconds behind with the video which makes dubbing very difficult and you almost have to start doing it by ear so everybody's going to be extremely excited to not have to deal with that anymore so that's that's one thing but yeah I'm amazed I'm amazed by um how uh adaptive everybody has been and you know it was a real like last April for me and I think a lot of people was a real hustle to be like okay this is happening we have to figure this out um you know some people already had really good home setups but for a lot of us the only, you know, we all had home setups, but it was really just for recording auditions, which, you know, do not need, you, you know, obviously you want your audio to be as good as it can be, but it doesn't have to be pristine broadcast quality audio for an audition. Whereas, you know, with this, it does because it, it it's oftentimes going on television. So the, the standard for, for audio went way, way up for us from where it had been before. Like if you, like me, we're just, I didn't really, I never recorded um, jobs from home 
um, it, for me, it was always just, I just recorded my auditions from home. So yeah, I had to make some pretty big investments. Um, I mean, I know people who've spent uh, <laughs> massive amounts of money during this time to, you know, buy entire booths and to just completely upgrade their entire system. And, you know, I mean, I spent many thousands of dollars uh, to, to upgrade, you know, my home setup to, so that I could keep working. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think I think most of us uh, are ready to to be back in studio. Yeah, God, I hope so because it's just I kind of I just kind of miss seeing all you know, especially like uh, shows that are known for group records. I just miss seeing like actors in a studio together. It just it just makes me sad looking at like old photos of actors in studios and hanging out recording you know ensemble and yeah and just me, and just realizing that and just realizing that that was like what three years ago <laughs> yeah I mean it's so much fun that you know group records are really fun because you know most of the time we're alone and um, it's it's so refreshing to have your scene partners in the room with you because <laughs> um, most of the time we don't get that so that that's again and that'll be probably one of that'll certainly be something that as soon as it's safe to return to to doing that in person that will definitely be in person again because it's it's been a real pain to try to do group records uh, remotely it's definitely been a challenge it takes so much longer than it would in studio it was so much longer Oh, especially you thought like uh, it was a pain trying to work on work with someone scheduled before the pandemic. Oh boy, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know so much like a scheduling thing because I mean, you know, actors want to work, <laughs> and we'll try to do whatever we can to to make that happen scheduling wise. Um, but yeah, no people. I think people are going to be super duper excited to to be back. I, I can't wait <laughs> because, well, you know, one of the things, if you don't have, you know, a standalone booth, like a whisper room, you know, a lot of us don't because they're very expensive or you just don't have space. Like I, where I live, I don't have any room to put something like that in my apartment. Um, and so if you're just in a closet, you know, it's not true sound isolation. So as an actor, one of the hardest things for me has been that, you know, my attention is so much more divided at home than it would be in the studio because when I'm at home, there's so many things that I have to think about and be aware of while I'm working that would not be taking up any of my brain power in the studio. So I'm constantly like listening out for noise from my neighbors. Is there a siren going by? Is there a helicopter flying over? You know, is, um, how's my internet? <laughs> Cause sometimes the internet's not very cooperative. So you're thinking about all these other things and I think that, you know, performances suffer because of that, because um, you're you're not able to be as fully um, engaged and invested emotionally in what you're doing, because my brain is being pulled in directions that it wouldn't be in the studio. And that's been one of the hardest things for me to feel like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, you know, in this session, because my brain's just not in it, because I'm so preoccupied by listening out, because I know my neighbor just came back, and it's, yeah, that, that stuff. I will not miss having to deal with that. And I think everybody, yeah, I think that's been a pretty common refrain, even from people who have booths. Like, I know one person who has a booth, and every time the people who live above her were like, 
showering or doing dishes or anything like that, they had to stop recording because it, the mic was picking it up. So, yeah, all, all of those shenanigans we're ready to not have to think about anymore. Yeah, yeah because, um, you know, three years ago, people just had <laughs> home studios to to just send in auditions. But now it's like, hey... You know, you know that home studio of yours? Yeah, that's that's your new uh work environment. <laughs> yeah, and my closet that I'm in right now is very small. Like I can't I can't put my arms all the way out by my sides. Like I can't I can really only go like to my elbows. So it's very tight quarters in here. And like I'm I'm very active when I'm at the mic. Like I'm very physical actor and so I like to move around, you know, as much as I can without going off mic. But when I'm in my closet, I've ruined takes because I'll be getting into it and I'm moving around a lot and my elbow will brush up against the door or, you know, whatever, because I'm in such tight quarters. Um, very frustrating. In a studio, I don't have to worry about that. I can move my arms around as much as I want and it's fine. But in here, yeah, it's and who oh man in the summer months. This was this was brutal. Uh, I recorded a couple of things when we were having a heat wave here and you, you can't, you can't run air conditioning because the mic will pick it up. So there's no air conditioning shut into a very tiny space covered in, you know, foam, which is really makes it even hotter. And I would just like, I'd finish a session and I'd be so drenched with sweat. I would just walk out of my closet and walk straight into the shower because <laughs> that is how, that's how sweaty it got. Um, Cause it was like 112 degrees. So yeah, I, Cannot wait for a, a spacious, soundproof, air-conditioned booth to be my regular situation again. And and also you got to make sure that because um, a lot of people I I know uh, weren't prepared for. Um, I mean, no one was prepared for the pandemic, but but they weren't prepared to to record. You know, broadcast quality. You know, from home. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so I, wasn't. I had to buy a new microphone. I had to buy a new preamp. I had to. I bought a new computer for my, like, yeah, I, I was not, I didn't have the gear that could, you know, before that I was my entire time. I I'd just been using a USB mic and pretty much everything I'd ever booked. I recorded those auditions on a USB mic and that was fine. It was fine <laughs> until it wasn't fine anymore. Yep. And, um, yeah, no, but I mean, it's interesting seeing like, um, you know, one of my favorite things about the, you know, one of the only um, interesting things I've noticed from this, you know, pandemic is seeing people who aren't tech savvy become tech savvy and seeing people who oh, yeah. who are tech savvy just show off their their skills. Because <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a tech savvy person at all. And particularly like with, with audio stuff. It's, you know, I learned as much as I needed to, to be able to do what I needed to do, but, um, I'm not like an audio nut. <laughs> so some people are, and that's cool. That's really great for them because it helps them with their work. But yeah, I, I, I've struggled. I've struggled with that. Although I've learned a lot. I've definitely learned a lot and I'm, and I'm glad that I've made the, the updates that I have because, you know, my auditions sound better now <laughs> with a new mic and a new preamp and all that. Yeah, it wasn't like the old days where it's like, well, I mean, I have this USB mic, so whatever, who cares? <laughs> I mean, for auditions, yeah, <laughs> that was fine. That was fine. I mean, they just need, you know, to hear, you know, hear you, hear your performance, make sure the audio is, you know, relatively clean and 
not you know a disaster and that that was that was okay <laughs> it's i don't know i don't know if that like it, it may go it may i don't know but with auditions it, that's just a whole different ballpark in terms of audio quality requirements it's just not as it's not as important because no one's going to hear it other than the casting director and the client i mean if you if people want to post up some i know like some uh people who um who post like some of the, their old um, like snippets from their auditions and like demos, and uh, yeah, I mean they well, don't. I can't imagine <laughs> posting any of my auditions online ever for any reason. <laughs> oh no, I was that seems like a nightmare. I would never want people to hear my auditions. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't personally know anybody who has done that. I mean, it, also, it kind of gets into some NDA stuff. No, well. no, but I mean, like audition, you know, or something. But I mean, it's online. not like you know big projects. But like I know, it's, I I used to know some people who would post like some of their old auditions for uh, fan projects on on their oh, on their okay. de- yeah, on their on their on their demos, and no one noticed. So oh yeah, that's go. that's different. That's fine. <laughs> Different different stakes. You're not gonna you're not gonna get sued for that. <laughs> well, obviously, you're not gonna post your 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 demo for like Monster Hunter or something like that. <laughs> oh, you mean my, like my audition? Yeah, yeah, audition. Sorry. Oh no, 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 no. Because <laughs> your auditions. I mean, that's I consider all of that NDA. You know, even if I'm if I haven't technically signed anything and I don't book the job, I would still I I operate. You know, everything everything's NDA. <laughs> everything you just if it's not out you don't talk about it period end of story so but yeah i can't imagine even after something was out that i would post because even even if it got me the job i i don't know i that's like uh, no i would never do that <laughs> i mean teach their own um you know speaking of monster hunter it's you're in that you're in the newest monster hunter game like how I did <laughs> how did that come about uh, I was sent an audition, and I auditioned, and they picked me. <laughs> the simple, the simple version of that. Yeah, I play uh, Hinoa, who is one of the twins. Um, the way to tell them apart, because people have been struggling with that a little bit, understandable. I mean, they're identical twins. Uh, my character, Hinoa, the the quick, the quick and easy way to tell them apart. She only wears one hair ornament, and Minoto wears two. <laughs> That's that's the quick quick and easy way to tell them apart. So um, if you're if you're looking to to commission fan art or draw fan art, make sure that uh, you know you don't miss out on that detail. Otherwise, it'll get uh, confusing. Yeah, that's one hair one hair ornament, two hair, and we also have different weapons. So if we're if we're fighting, I think Minoto has a sword, but uh, Hino she's an archer, so she has like a gigantic uh, bow, which is cool. I play a lot of archers. Which is interesting because I'm interested in archery in real life, so that's that's always fun. I'm always excited to get to play an archer. Oh, archery! Uh, that's a that's a weird thing. <laughs> I've never never had anyone on this show say that they were interested in archery of all things. Oh yeah, no, I have a little bit of a history with it, uh, and actually, I'm planning to to get back into it soon. Um, so I'm gonna take some like do some private instruction because. I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I want to work with somebody and yeah, just sort of have that be a, you know, another pastime thing I can do. 
but that's cool because you know it not that you need to be practiced in you know any kind of like archery or martial arts or something you know in terms of voice acting but it's really cool if you have you know real life experience with certain things that often come up in games and shows like you know I had I was really excited when I booked um, Sword Art Online because I have a fencing background and so I was like oh my gosh this is so cool you know there's near the end of um, that season you know there there's a pretty epic sword fight and that was so I had so much fun recording that it's like oh this is so cool um so yeah it's it's fun when stuff that you you know have experience with or are interested in in real life kind of like seeps over into the work that you're doing or if you're playing a character who does the same thing or has the same interests that's that's really that's really cool and then you can just tell tell um <laughs> the writer um this per th- that's not the correct term when you're referring to 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 an archery. I mean, even thing. if they're wrong, I'm not going to say it because that's not my job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like most of the time they they get stuff they get stuff pretty pretty right. I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I remember back in the day they would get a lot of stuff wrong, but I but then again, like you know, going back to. To, you know, '90s anime dubs. I don't think they cared all that much when it came to. Yeah, I mean that's a good like that's a different animal. <laughs> dubs from the '90s, different, 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 different cup of tea, for sure. I, I just we've come a long way. We've come a, a real long way. Like I just can't get over the fact that most of those shows are recorded like in literal basements, like literal like bargain bin basements with like cheap equipment and. Yeah, I mean probably God. because. It, at that time, you know, the the industry just wasn't wasn't there for that yet. But thank goodness we're very sophisticated now. Yeah, we're at that point where you know, we're at that point where it's like, yeah, you know, dubs are a thing. There's a demand for this product. You know, let's let's take it more professionally and um it's kind of funny that uh, I remember back in you know, a couple couple years ago everyone was worried about you know, dubs no longer being a thing because it's like, oh well, the 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 fan uh, the the subtitled uh, anime is coming out more and more. You know, why do we need dubs anymore? It, they're dying. They're dying. They're dying. And no, man, we're in the golden <laughs> age. We're in the golden age of dubs right now. I mean, and you know, streaming services have played a big part in that um, because you know, and Netflix has been great for this because. Um, we're not, not, I'm not just talking about, you know, anime and animation, but also live action dubs are massive. I mean, there's so much dubbing going on right now, particularly in live action because, you know, Netflix is international. And so they have lots of shows that, you know, they're not American shows. They're made all over the world in lots of different countries and lots of different languages, which is really cool. And they're going to dub all of that into not just English, but into lots and lots of different languages. So that it has, you know, the widest accessibility, international accessibility that it can. And, you know, for me, the dubs are not just, you know, another way to consume, you know, entertainment that was initially in a, a language that's not necessarily your own. But, you know, it's also um, not just an accessibility thing in terms of like what languages you speak, but, you know, also for people, not everybody can read subtitles you know not everybody can 
uh, enjoy something in its original language, whether, you know, they're visually impaired or, you know, there are lots of different things that could be going on with that. Um, so, you know, for to me, dubbing is, you know, an accessibility thing as much as it is just, oh, here, this is in another language if you would, you know, so choose to watch it in, in that language. Um, it's, it's as much of an accessibility thing in terms of, you know, disability as, as anything else, in my opinion, which is why, you know, I get very eye-rolly when people are complaining about this because at the end of the day, it's, it's accessibility. And I want the projects that I work on to be accessible to as many people as possible, you know, regardless of what language you speak or whatever your abilities are, you know, I want as many people to be able to enjoy it as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, there are people who are dyslexic who, you know, struggle with, you know, dyslexia or, you know, can't, um, you know, just can't read the subtitles as fast because sometimes, mm-hmm. like when it comes to a character talking really, really fast, the subtitles will go like really, really fast. Like there's not not enough time. Yeah, to... and you know, not everybody, you know, for for many, many different reasons, it's just not going to be that's just not going to be viable for everybody. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to enjoy, you know, a, a show or something that's in a different language. Um, everybody should be able to to enjoy it in whatever what in whatever way they want. You know, if you want to watch subtitle, that's awesome. Knock yourself out. But if you, for whatever reason, can't or you just don't want to or you want to not have to read subtitles, because even if that's not a problem for you, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm not in the mood for that. Um, yeah, it's whatever. Watch, watch, watch whatever, whatever way you want. <laughs> just everybody's got more options. Nothing's being taken away. Variety's the slice of life, <laughs> after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from, you know, from a business perspective... If that's your project, yeah, you want to you want to get as many eyes and ears on your project as possible, how in as many parts of the world as possible. Like, yeah, of course, of course you do. And of course, like sometimes, you know, I I I'll admit, like I watched, you know, B stars dubbed because I was curious, like because there was a lot of hype surrounding, you know, Laura Jill Miller as as you know as the main female character. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's, it, you know, her, Laura Jill Miller was most famous for, you know, give me a break in the eighties and a bunch of children's cartoons. And this is like her first, you know, <laughs> adult oriented role. And I was kind of curious, uh, okay, you know, is she going to pull it off? Like how, how is this going to sound? And she was really great in that. So there you go. That's good. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, um, which I should at some point I'll, at some point I'll watch it. Cause a lot of my friends are in it. So Whenever friends are in something, I'm like, okay, I need to watch it. I need to watch it. Oh God, God, it becomes weird for me when I'm friends with someone and I and I, you know, listen to them in something. I'm like, Ugh. that's something that people who, you know, especially like people who are aspiring voice actors, you don't think about it until you're already in it. Because let me tell you, the way that I watch anime or anything else really is so different now to the way it was before I started working in this industry it's a very different experience not only because when you do it yourself it's like you've seen how the sausage is made you know what I mean like you know how everything is working behind the scenes but also you know the voice acting world particularly in Los Angeles is very small we we kind of all know each other even if we're not necessarily friends we like 
we know who everybody is basically and so but, but especially with anime dubs we're a pretty small group of people um we do mostly all know each other or know of each other and so when you're watching a show and 85 percent of the cast are friends of yours or people that you know regardless of how talented they are as actors there's still always that little bit of like it's harder to suspend your disbelief it's harder to kind of like escape into a series because you're hearing your friends voices and again not that's no knock on them you know they're very talented but it's still like you're hearing your friend's voice right and so it can be it's just a very very different experience it's not like it's not that it's worse but you know and also as a voice actor the same way like you know any any other job if um like i'm trying to think of an example um you know if you are a hairstylist you're very tuned in to other people's hair right because that's your job like that's what you do all day same thing with with voice acting like whenever i'm watching anything with voice acting i'm incredibly tuned in to the voice actor's performance really above all else because that's my job that's what my ears really trained for and so i'm super super hyper focused on on the performance and sometimes i can kind of like lose the bigger picture of of a show because i'm so focused on the performances um but that's an interesting thing that happened that i wasn't expecting um when i got started in this how different the experience of watching stuff and stuff that you know i'm not in um how, how different that is now uh it's that was really unexpected and it's very strange yeah, even weirder when you're in it. It's even weirder when you're in it because um, oh, it's so strange. It's such a strange thing. Like, I remember the first time I ever saw, you know, the video and was hearing, you know, my voice coming out of a character. It was surreal. <laughs> it was very strange. Very cool, but very surreal. Um, so when you're watching stuff that you're in, I, I find it impossible to watch it the way I would watch it, you know. In something that I'm not in uh, because oh man I, and if I'm if it's you know it's a scene that my character's in oh man I'm really like picking apart my performance and you know thinking like oh the, I wish I'd done that differently or you know oh I wish they'd used a different take or you know whatever like I'm just um, essentially like doing an autopsy on my work so it's completely changes the game as a viewer um when you're when you're working in the industry very interesting no i mean a lot of people feel that way as well like i've had people yeah. who, who've told me like they just can't stand watching anything they're in like they'll listen to mm -hmm. to like snippets of it or like if it's like a fan montage of like their best moments they'll listen to that but all the way through nah <laughs> i can't watch it all the way through because yeah. yeah everybody's you know everybody's got their different like philosophy about listening and watching their own stuff back i try to i don't i don't there's there's stuff that i'm in that i've never i've never watched um or played but for the most part if i have access to it uh you know i'll i'll go back in because i just want to make sure it sounds okay <laughs> and because that's the thing like if once it's out it's out and it's going to exist in the world <laughs> forever so if you're if you're watching back and you're just cringing at your own work that's painful because you know that's going to be out in the world forever and there's nothing you can do about it so yeah some people 
you know, we all have different levels of like how well we can handle that. Um, I feel like for the most part, I don't, I don't get to, um, I, I'm usually okay with watching, with watching my stuff back. Um, mostly just cause like, I want to make, I want to make sure it sounds okay. Cause I don't know most of the time when I'm recording, I don't know how it's going to come together. I have no idea because I'm not really, when I'm working, I'm not thinking about really like how I sound. I'm invested in the character and if, if I'm dubbing, you know, dubbing is such a technically demanding form of acting. It's one of, and here's the thing, I've worked on stage, I've worked on camera, I've done all kinds of stuff. Dubbing is one of the hardest things I've ever done as an actor, period. And because you're like, you're rubbing your stomach, you're patting your head, you're jumping on one leg, that's kind of what it's like. And uh, because the technical technical requirements are so intense, uh, and it requires such a degree of precision. It's it's very, very difficult. And, you know, the people who do it incredibly well, amazing. It's so hard to do well, to, like, nail everything technically and still give an incredibly emotionally compelling performance. That's not an easy task. And so, you know, for the people who are at the top of their game, it's huge respect to them as as artists because it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And um, so... Like I was saying, I'm not, I'm so focused on matching the picture and my performance and getting, you know, getting everything right. I'm not really thinking about what I sound like. And so sometimes I'm very surprised when, you know, a show comes out or an episode comes out. I'm like, that's how that came together. Okay. That's, that's interesting. You know, it's, um, and I get nervous. <laughs> I get nervous when I'm watching, you know, something that I've worked on for the first time, um, I can like my heart starts beating really fast and my, you know, my palms get sweaty because it's just like, it's a strange experience. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still get, I still get really nervous because I don't know what I'm going to hear. Like, I don't know how it's all going to sound together. And, you know, also if, you know, with individual recording sessions, if the, my scene partners have not already recorded, I'm, I don't have anybody's performance to, to play off of. And so I'm kind of just creating, you know, something by myself. And it's always interesting then to hear everybody else's performances, you know, filled in later in the final product to hear how you sound together. Because, you know, we we were not together when we did that. So it's it's so cool to, to hear how all the it's like it's like watching a puzzle all come together. That, that's that's really cool. And sometimes it's such a wonderful thing because even though we weren't in the same room or I might not even know that person who I'm playing opposite of, who's like, you know, a love interest, we may not even know each other in real life. We may never have even met. And yet somehow our, our performances together work really well and we sound like we're there together. That's when it's really fulfilling and really exciting. You're like, oh man, we didn't even know each other and we totally sound like, you know, a very believable couple in love like that's wild so cool yeah because most of the time you're just there on your own like that's how mm -hmm. anime dubbing works is like you know they just get like one actor record everything yeah. all your lines all for the not just one episode for the entire series the entire series and it's just really demanding and 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 like you said, I I'm personally like when I when I watch like you know dubbed anime and the people who are really good at it like they they freak me the hell out because I'm like how do you how do you get that good where not only the performance is great 
you know the the voices you know sounds great but you know all the lip flaps match perfectly like there's not an instance where it sounds off <laughs> it's just like how do you do that like how this is what i mean when i say we've gotten really good at dubs <laughs> i mean we get it you know it's down to the frame um yeah no it's <clears throat> it's amazing like the people who are very very good at it huge respect huge respect because it's extremely challenging i mean like i've done shakespeare i've done you know classical greek theater and <clears throat> dubbing is is up there in terms of in terms of technical difficulty for sure which is why i tell people cuz i i assist uh voice acting classes and so i'm working with students on a very regular basis and you know there's <clears throat> there's a lot of misconception about acting in general but also of voice acting specifically uh that people think it's really easy <laughs> and as someone who has done just about everything acting wise that could not be further from the truth it's one of the hardest things i do and the most important thing, if you want to be a voice actor, the most important thing, and I'm sure many, if, if you've had people talk about this, the most important thing is to have a rock solid foundation as an actor, actor, right? Because actor is the operative word in voice actor. You know, the voice is like, you know, the frosting on the cake. But like, if you don't have a cake, where are you going to put the frosting on, right? Like you've got to have a have a good cake first to, to frost it with the voice. Uh, so yeah, acting, acting, acting is the most important thing. And I tell people, like when students ask me, you know, you know, what else should I be doing? What else should I be focusing on with my training? And I tell people, if you haven't already, you know, been doing theater, go do theater. Oh man, in my opinion, you know, as someone who came up in theater and that's what I went to school for, um, it's the best training ground for voice actors. You wouldn't necessarily think that, but it's the absolute best training ground for voice actors for a lot of different reasons. But one is because, you know, in theater, you have your scene partner with you the whole time. You're together the whole time. You can look at each other. You're playing off of each other. And so if you have that experience and you kind of have that frame of reference for what it's like to be acting with another person, it, it, it's almost like, you know, we learn to ride bikes with training wheels on them. And so acting with other people and getting that skill and learning how to do that well is kind of like riding a bike with training wheels on it. And voice acting, when you're alone in a booth and nobody else has recorded first, so you have nothing to play off of, it's like taking those training wheels off. So if you struggle to act with another person who's, you know, giving you everything, how are you going to do it alone with nothing, right? You need to have that experience and that frame of reference. And that's that's why, you know, such a significant percentage of, you know, successful voice actors have theater backgrounds. So many people do. Like, it's not a coincidence. Um, it it really prepares you well. So if anybody's listening who's an aspiring voice actor and you haven't been doing any theater, go, I mean, not right now, but once it's safe, oh man, go to theater and improv. Improv is hugely helpful for voice actors. It's hugely, hugely helpful. You gotta, you gotta clock time with other people in the room, for sure. You know, if you want to be a really good actor <laughs> you need you need to clock that you need to clock that time yeah because it's always what's the old expression it's about acting not 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 doing a funny voice <laughs> yeah a funny voice isn't gonna gonna get you much but if you're an incredible actor and you can do you know some interesting voices on top of that then then you, you got a chance right um but but another misconception a lot of people have with you know voice acting is like we're all vocal chameleons and we all have all these different voices that's really not 
true. I mean, there are, I would say there are very, very few people who I would call a true, like, vocal chameleon. The majority of us are not that, and most of us tend to book work that's relatively close to our natural voices. For me, the majority of what I do is basically my natural voice. Sometimes it's pitched a little bit up, sometimes it's pitched a little bit down. Um, but other than that, like, I don't really do a bunch of kooky voices um, because that's just not a thing. <laughs> Most of us book stuff that's relatively close within our natural voices. Yeah, I mean, people tend to forget that... Um... You know, some voice actors just use their natural voice and it's not about how they sound. It's about what they're, you know, what the performance is like. It's the acting. (laughs) Because because the other thing is like people, um, you know, there are there are people who do have their, you know, completely their natural voice is really, you know, unusual or interesting or maybe their natural voice is really, really, really high and cutesy and that's that is how they sound and then you've got other people who have you know super duper you know low resonant resonant booming voices and that's their natural voice so if you know if if someone's auditioning for a character and that character needs to have a super high-pitched cute you know squeaky little voice um the person who naturally sounds like that who isn't having to push and isn't having to try and alter their voice they're probably going to have a better chance of booking that because that just is their voice they're not having to do anything that just is their voice so that that tends to be how things usually go yeah be, um you know a great example of that is richard uh, richard horvitz i mean his mm-hmm. his voice is you know his voice like it's not you know he's not doing you know because years i thought oh man he must be doing a bit right like he doesn't really sound like that right but you know when i finally watched an interview with him like years later oh he actually sounds like that wow (laughs) (laughs) i know richard uh yeah he that's that's him that's just him yeah but what makes his characters great is that they don't act the same they're all different like you know billy yeah, he's is super, he's super talented <laughs> yeah. he's a very very talented guy yeah i mean billy is you know a dumb character and he plays up his stupidity zim is an over-the-top megalomaniac you know cartoonish villain and he plays up to those strengths but you know the, so the character so those characters might sound the same, but, you know, they don't act the same. And that's what people need to realize when it comes to voice acting. It is about the acting, not about the voice. Yeah, it's about the acting, and it's also about, you know, what your archetypes are that you that you play. Uh, you know, and for Richard, that's, you know, these kooky, you know, kooky kind of zany off-the-wall characters. Um, those are archetypes that are very much in his wheelhouse and we've all you know we've all got our own wheelhouse we've all got our own archetypes that come most naturally to us and those are the ones we tend to book because they come most naturally to us like I never thought um that I would play villains (laughs) ever because in all my you know previous acting experience I never played villains because I don't really look uh like that doesn't fit me the way I look necessarily so you know, on stage and on camera, I never played villains ever. And when I transitioned into working in, in voice acting, I thought, I really thought that um, my my wheelhouse as a stage actor 
was going to be totally similar to my wheelhouse as a voice actor. And that is not true. Not true. Because you're taking appearance out of the equation. It doesn't really matter what you look like. So um, I found that that casting directors were sending me, they wanted to hear me as these, you know, either straight up villains or characters who are, uh, <laughs> I call them morally ambiguous. Um, and I, at first I was like, I don't know why I'm being sent these characters because I don't really do villains. Nobody's ever heard me playing villains before, but they're hearing something in my voice or something about me that's making them send me these auditions. And, and then I started booking some villains and figuring out how to do all of that and realized like, oh, okay, this is totally, you know, these particular kinds of villains, because, oh man, there are lots of different kinds of villains. These are in my wheelhouse. And weirdly, playing these characters is coming very naturally to me, which was very surprising. Did not see that coming. So one thing, you know, for a lot of people who, um, like myself, were, you know, professional actors in other, you know, forms before I got into voice acting, it is, it's so interesting to see like the kinds of characters that you would book, whether you came from stage or film, and how different or similar that might be with your, with your voice acting career. It's so fascinating. Really, really, it's, it's so interesting to see what happens and to, to hear or to see, you know, what, um, what casting directors are hearing when they listen to you and what, you know, gets the wheels turning in their heads about like, oh, you know, what could I, you know, use this actor for? Um, so that, that, that was very, one of the, one of the most surprising things was how, how different my, my wheelhouse is um, in voice acting as opposed to stage that's why I like um, shows that um, play around with with certain archetypes like, you know, because I, I don't know, I, I just like it. I just like it when I when I hear a character, a character, act, not a character actor, like someone who is known for a typical character archetype be doing something completely different that you didn't um, mm -hmm. expect them to do. And I and that all goes down to you know casting directors because they they they've heard something that um, that made them think that this that this person was right for the role and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but I mean I, I like I like one of my favorite things is hearing people who are known for a specific type of role go out of that go out of their comfort zone and you know blow me out of the water with something completely different and you know yeah. That's one of the cool things about voice acting is you can play such wildly different characters, you know, because again, appearance is being taken out of the equation. So yeah, you have a much wider uh, variety of characters that you, that are viable for you uh, as opposed to, you know, working on stage or on camera. Cause you're very, you're so much more limited, you know, cause you're limited by what you look like. Um, you know, I'm not going to play, <laughs> I'm not going to play a 16 year old on tv uh you know on camera or on stage it's just not going to happen but i play teenagers all the time in voice acting so yeah it's it's very it's very interesting never thought i mean i play characters on a regular basis who were they real would be young enough to be my kids <laughs> like i'm old enough to be my character's mother <laughs> quite often and so yeah that did not did not expect that <laughs> And that's the beauty of voiceover is that you can mm -hmm. literally play these roles that you could not not play in live action because 
you know, with live action, there comes a point where it's like, oh, once you, re- you reach a certain age, you're just going to be cast as the mother or the aunt or whatever. But, you know, with voice acting, you can be like the daughter or the teenage daughter. Or, I know. mean, there have been shows <laughs> where I've played the mother. I mean, not in major characters, like, you know, incidental kind of stuff where I've been the mother. And then in the next scene, one of the kids. Where else is that going to happen? <laughs> Nowhere. So, yeah. And because I, I do play moms and I do play like, you know, older, older sisters. But uh, yeah, just, I mean, just as many teenagers too. It's wild. <laughs> and playing teenagers is really fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Kind of have to like take, you know, 15, 20 years off of my life experience to try to like get back into that headspace of what it was like to be 16 uh which again didn't didn't think i'd be doing that as an actor (laughs) but here we are spent a lot of time like in that teenage psychology that teenage headspace well yeah and and that's another thing that i think kind of goes unnoticed is that um you know the for for the performance to be believable you have to believe that you are that character you know, you have to get into that headspace of, okay, I am playing a 16-year-old whatever, and a 16-year-old girl doing whatever, and you got yeah, I mean, to think of from that from that perspective. To play any character, I mean, the key is you have to understand them. You have to understand their perspective. You have to understand their experience. You have to understand why they think and do and act the way that they do. Um, and, you know, you can't... Um, I don't think you can effectively play a character if you are coming to that character with judgment, you know, because I play a lot of um, not nice characters. <laughs> and I, you know, obviously to me, many of the things that the characters I play do, you know, are morally repulsive. <laughs> and of course, you know, me as a person is like, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's horrible. But when I go into the booth to play that character, I have to completely accept them and, you know, jump into their shoes and see things the way that they're seeing it. Because, you know, with a lot of villains, um, you know, with more, you know, complex and nuanced villains, they they often think that they're the good guy. And so I have to get into that headspace because, you know, most of the time we're not, you know, with, with typical storytelling, we're, you know, kind of seeing things through the perspective of the protagonist as opposed to the villain. We don't really see things through the villain's perspective very often. So as an actor, I have to... We all have to accept that character, get get in there and figure out, okay, what's going what's going on with this person? Why why are they doing what they're doing? What's what's motivating that? What's and you know, with villains it's usually because they're in pain over something. Uh, and you gotta figure that out. You gotta figure out like what's the what's the driving force for this character? What is what's the thing that's getting them up in the morning and making them do what they're doing and how do they think and you know, what, what's their perspective of the protagonist if they're interacting with them, you know, um, that's, that's why playing villains is so much fun because you really have to kind of like shift your, shift your idea of all that, uh, and and put it into the villain perspective, which is something that just as, you know, consumers of storytelling, we're not as accustomed to, to doing. Um, so that's, that's one thing I, I really like about playing villains, but yeah, you can't, um, you can't judge your character. You have to just understand them and accept them and, you know, do do them justice as, as best you can. And I, and I feel like, you know, you get the best performances out of actors who understand who are able to empathize with their kid with with, you know, 
more morally reprehensible characters instead of just okay i'm playing the villain might as well like play it in a stereotypical way you know yeah i mean you've got you have you can't play a character effectively if you don't understand them i mean that's just period in the story you have to understand them you got to know what makes them tick yeah, I mean, you just can't go in there and say, oh, I'm playing the villain, okay, better ham it up, or whatever, or I'm playing... Yeah, I mean, unless that's <laughs> called for, because sometimes, you know, sometimes we do have, you know, a campy villain, which is so much fun. I mean, from the actor's perspective, that's an absolute blast to get to do, you know, really campy, over-the-top characters, particularly villains, so much fun. Um, but yeah, just because a character is, you know, over-the-top, or kooky, or campy, or, you know kind of hammy that makes absolutely no difference from an actor's perspective because you still have to understand that character you have to understand okay why are they, why are they like that why are they so over the top why are they so zany um is there is there a reason for that you know did they you know start behaving that way you know for a particular reason what are they getting out of that kind of behavior um so you've got to always these are all the things that we ask ourselves you know as actors trying to um, you know, build our character, and we have so much less time <laughs> as voice actors than you know. Because, like I said, I came from theater, so I was accustomed to having huge amounts of time. I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks of analyzing the script, and you know, re the rehearsal process. You know, can be many, many weeks long, and so you have so much time to you know, figure out your character and really get to grips with the character and, you know, be making all these discoveries about them and, you know, it, you just have so much time and it's, it's a much more collaborative process because you're, you know, you're working with the rest of the cast, you're working with, you know, the director and w that's a completely different situation in, in voiceover. So yeah, you have to be able to like flesh out your character really quickly. And that's also why sometimes, you know, with a show, the first, you know, couple of episodes, because we tend to, you know, we almost always are recording chronologically. The first couple episodes might sound like a little bit rocky, and then it, it improves as it goes on, because all the actors are, are finding, you know, getting their feet. They're kind of, they're figuring it out. Like, once you've spent a little bit of time with a character, you know, you understand them more and more as as the recording process goes on. And so, yeah, sometimes those those first couple episodes... There, there are times where I wish, like, I could say, like, hey, can we go back? You know, we're on episode 12 now, and I've really got a good feel for this character, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in it. Like, I, I got it now. Can we <laughs> can we go back and re-record my lines from the first two? I mean, I've never asked to do that, but can we go back and re-record those first two episodes? Because, like, I feel like I was kind of, like, flailing. I didn't quite have the character down yet. Um, and sometimes that happens. I think sometimes they, they, they do go back and, like... Uh, maybe re-record some stuff from the from the first episode i know that ha i know that has happened before but yeah because you j you know those early episodes you're still you're finding your feet you're not you're, you're still kind of figuring it out oh well no that's that's kind of a rarity because um <clears throat> most um especially with anime nowadays where everything is on streaming and you know, they want to get yeah, this that, out. That <laughs> only, yeah that would only happen if it's like a netflix situation where all of the episodes are finished before they get handed over to Netflix. Just so, like, obviously, like, simul, simul dub, that's not going to happen. But if you are recording the entire season before it goes out, then you, you know, it's possible that you could go back in to earlier episodes and, like, fix things or tweak things or re-record stuff. But, yeah, no, for simul dubs, no. Once it's, <laughs> once that's out, that's out. 
unless it's like a really really you know terrible thing that um that that yeah that has that has to it has to get redone for like the home release then that's the only case i could imagine but uh but it's very rare very rare like even it's not even a case exclusive to anime like i remember like most um like most tv shows in general most animated tv shows in general if you go back and listen to like the first season of any show it sounds awkward as all hell because the the actors are just like starting out they don't understand you know they they, they still don't they haven't gotten their characters right like they still are you know it, you know it's also the right it's also the whole team you know the whole team is also in the early stages of something and so you know the writers may not have um you know quite a complete idea of, of how they want this character to be and you know any shows that run for a really really long time there's so much evolution in in the characters over that time um you know because they have so much time to develop things and to grow and yeah i mean anytime anytime you're just starting off on something the first couple episodes might be a little bit rocky because everybody's figuring it out everybody's like okay what's working what's not working and that's why you know shows tend to improve as they as they go through you know their first season because everybody's like a little more comfortable got everything a little bit more grounded and figured out um but yeah when you're just starting there's there's a lot there's a lot you got to figure out i mean yeah like the first season of like family guy is just really rough to to go back to because like everyone's delivery is just like so so stilted and stiff and oh boy it's not very good yeah and it's just like that it's so much of a style thing as well like you know a lot of it i mean anime but also american animation you know it's all there are all these you know genres and subgenres and sub subgenres and styles of you know performance and animation and um you know sometimes a show is also trying to figure out like what's our style what's you know what's our energy you know going to be um so it's a lot of a lot of stuff to experiment with and figure out and that's that's fun that's you know that's part of the part of the interesting you know thing about making such a collaborative project yeah just like figuring out along the way but sometimes you know you know unfortunately something gets sometimes it gets it gets canceled or sometimes like with you know with cases of um anime like <laughs> um a dub will like the rights to a series will transition to another company and then the, the other company says okay we'll just we're not going to we're not going to bring back the original cast we're just going to bring you know bring in our own guys and that creates a whole situation where everyone's like which dub is the best one and i'm like oh boy <laughs> yeah it um i i don't i don't think it matters <laughs> I mean, it's I. It's only like I only I'm on I'm someone who, because again, like the subject of redubs has been on my mind um, for a past couple of days because I'm I've just been thinking about a lot of those old, because a lot of shows have been have been getting like a lot of these old shows have been getting like redubs from different companies that are more, you know that uh, you know the, like something like Sailor Moon that was originally dubbed by you know. Uh, Deke Entertainment and and uh, Saban and that was more you know their dub was more catered towards like ch- you know uh, t- you know t- uh, children and they had to change like took a lot of liberties with with that stuff and then you know years later 
uh, Viz Media took over and they brought in their own people to do like a more faithful adaptation. And, you know, it just, it's just one of those things where um, it, it becomes a case of, you know, nostalgia. Like sometimes if, if you grew up with a specific dub from your childhood, that's going to be the dub that's, that you're familiar with. So whenever you're faced with something new, it's like, oh, well, this new Sailor Moon might be more faithful to the original, but it's not the original actor. So I don't expect I don't I don't accept it as canon, which is a really weird. Well, I mean, if thing. with anything, you know, if it if something, you know, regardless of whether it's anime or anything else, if that was a huge part of, you know, anybody's childhood and has, you know, major nostalgia factor, um, you know, anytime something gets, you know, remade or there are new actors or whatever, yeah, of course you're going to be like, oh, it's not the same as the original one. But again, nobody, nobody took the original one away. It's still, still there. You can still, you can still have it. Yeah. Weirdly enough, like, I, I mean, I just like, cause, cause again, like I've just been looking up like which shows got redubbed and a lot of people I found out do not like the new Vampire Hunter D <laughs> Um, redub that uh, Sentai Frameworks released back in like 2015, and I'm like, why? Because it's it's more faithful to the to the source material, and they and and whatnot. It wasn't like they took out the kooky accents from the original, and but apparently that was controversial for some people. I don't know. I don't. Well, literally get anything <laughs> is going to be controversial for some people. I mean, literally anything. I can say it's a beautiful day. And somebody's gonna lose their mind over it. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's nothing that will be completely uncontroversial. There's just nothing. Well, I mean, that's that's the age of the internet. It's like every it's again, casting directors make a choice, and they might be happy with it, but um, a lot of people in the internet are gonna tell you that they're not gonna be happy with it. But at the end of the day. They're not going to recast that person because you don't like them. You know, it's done. Like it's the producer's project. The producers own the project. They can make it however they want to make it, and that's their prerogative because they own it. And they're going to do whatever, you know, whatever they think makes the most business sense, and you know what they think is going to be best for for the the franchise or the project. So, you know, it's theirs. They own it. They get to make the call their decision and yeah that's that's just what it is it's a business yep it's a business <laughs> at the end of the day i mean so we always got to come back to it. at the end of the day this is a business <laughs> like you can again i i have my issues with some of the netflix dubs like i do feel like some of the performances were you know kind of dodgy and you know kind of um you know they were questionable Liberty's taking with with some of the um, dialogue and some of the delivery and just, you know, some of the inflections. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be like, well, how dare you Netflix cast so-and-so in this role? They sound terrible. That's, you know, that that's their choice. And, I mean, my uh, thing that I, I say to people is like, if this is <laughs> eating up so much of your life because a particular actor is on a particular project one go talk to someone you might need some help but also like if that's bothering you that much hey you know what you could do become a producer yourself and then you'd be the one getting to make those decisions 
Yep. <laughs> it's like I the... mean, you, you know, <laughs> if you want to be the one in, in the driver's seat making those calls, you got to become a producer or become a casting director. And then then it will be your decision. You will get you get, you get to make those calls. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I realize like a lot of up and comers are, you know, coming into the anime scene cuz you know, there comes a point where the old guard must have to get, must give way to the new guard as with everything it was as with life you know and i just i just think that sometimes you know like yes i i understand that um especially when you're given like a, a major role in a new anime and it's a popular character that people have been fall have, have fallen in love with and you're you're the new kid on um you're the new kid on the block Everyone's going to keep, you know, give you dirty looks because you're like, oh, really? They picked that guy. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm more pro, you know, let's give, you know, these new people a chance instead of just, hey, let's just completely shit on them for not understanding the character or or how dare Netflix not uh, not to take my fan castings and make them you know, a reality. Yeah, Netflix, <laughs> Netflix does not care about your fan castings. Netflix does not care. <laughs> it's it's whatever the producers want, whatever yeah. the producers want, the producers get. <laughs> So yeah, um anything yeah, yeah, I mean who wants to hear like who wants to just hear the same twenty five people in every single show with no variety? Like no matter how good people are at a certain point you're like, Oh my god, I wanna hear some new people. Oh god, there was oh god. Like here's the thing, like I I love I mean, I'm a fan of Western animation, but you know, going back to, you know, the early 2000s or, you know, the 2000s in general, going back to that decade of animation, it's really frustrating going back to that era because I know like half the half the women, half the female characters are going to be voiced by Tara Strong or, or Grey Delisle or or Cree Summer. And and most of the pe- people of color are going to be voiced by Phil Lamar or Kevin Ma- Kevin Michael Richardson. There was like no one else during that period who was doing like you know people of color or you know women of color. And and it's just it just makes me happy that we've we've gone to a point where we're giving you know younger actors the um, the exposure and yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got to evolve. And at a certain point, you know, some people, once their careers get, get to a certain place, you know, if you have the option of doing, you know, a domestic animation where, you know, you're going to be making more money, you're going to be getting residuals, yada, 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 or doing anime, you're probably going to pick domestic animation. At the, I mean, it, it pays more. <laughs> so if you have the choice you know, it makes a lot of sense why people eventually kind of like, you know, they just stop doing anime because they're, they have so many opportunities, you know, doing, doing other stuff. Um, and you know, for many people at the end of the day, like that's just a, that's a financial decision. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I have had people on here who said that they would never dub anime because it just doesn't pay anything. Yeah, he's just like it's it's yeah. one of the lowest paying yeah i mean it's one of the lowest paying jobs in the in the industry for sure which is always interesting to me because it's one of the most technically challenging jobs in the industry but yet it pays the least uh we're, we're working we're working on it <laughs> we're working on it 
God, the last time they got a pay raise was what, like 1999? Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, we're we're in the process of trying to update um, the the contracts because they're very very outdated. Yeah, that's that's a lot of like uh, union and business kind of stuff. That that's it. It is all part of it, though. Yeah, no, I just I just think it's kind of just really stupid that how people just scoff at you know dub voice actors. Oh, like why are you? Like why why should we respect you know dub voice actors and blah 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 because they're not they'll never be as good as the Japanese but look they're well here's the thing the <laughs> Japanese are dubbing as well yeah they're not recording they they don't record first and then have animators animate to them the way that Western animation works the Japanese actors are also dubbing they're dubbing like I mean their process is different than ours is um, but they're dubbing because the show has been animated before the actors come in to perform. So whether you want to think it or not, the Japanese actors are also technically dubbing. They're originating the character, but they're dubbing. The, yeah. the, the animation was not animated to their performance. They match their performance to the animation just like we do. Yeah. It's really interesting. The way that the, the way that um, the way they record in Japan is so fascinating. I don't know how they do it. It seems harder to me the way they do it than the way we do it because they they do it in a group. They do it all together. Whereas, you know, in anime, we it's very much one by one. And so they they almost sort of do it like um like a radio play, like a radio drama where I mean, I've watched I've seen videos like in recording sessions for anime where they're in a they're in a room and then there's like a bench up against the back wall and everybody's sitting there who whoever's in that scene, I guess, that they're recording. So all the actors who are going to be speaking in the scene are all there together. And they've got their paper scripts, which we don't use. We don't use paper scripts. Um, so they got their paper scripts, and then they just are like, they when it's when it's their turn, they they step up to the mic and they do their thing, and then they go sit back down again. And so that's just like completely different from the way that we do it. Which it's so it's interesting to see how 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 they're approaching you know dubbing because they're dubbing, uh, how they approach dubbing and how we approach dubbing is so different. Um, that's that's really cool. I think it's I think it's cool the way they do it. I just it seems harder to me, but maybe it's just because I've never, never done it that way. No, I mean, it seems a lot harder because it's, you know, everyone waits your turn, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I mean, clearly, clearly it works. <laughs> you know, what they're doing is working. Um, it's, it's cool, though. It's, you know, there, there's not just one way, not just one way to do things. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's so weird, like, what, what people consider in the West prelay. That's how the Japanese record, you know, their their anime. Like that's that's mm-hmm. you know, like what what people in the West consider prelay. No, that's how they record it in Japan. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. I I love watching those videos of of uh, the Japanese actors recording because it yeah it makes me think of like an old timey like they they honestly they do it like back in the day when we did like you know radio dramas and stuff like that. You you get up and go to the mic when it's your turn and then you go sit back down. Yeah, that's it's that fascinates me like not to mention like most of the most of the performances are you know inspired heavily inspired by you know kabuki theater and yeah mm-hmm. and that's how you get like a lot of over the top performances cuz you know that's what they you know, that's uh that's what yeah, I mean, inspires acting, it <laughs> like acting style preferences i guess you know they really it really does vary so much culture by culture and language by language because you know if you look at um you know, to to a lot of Americans, watching you know Spanish language um, 
you know, telenovelas and things like that. To to us, that seems like, whoa, it's <laughs> way over the top, like really, you know, big, big, big performances. Because to us, you know, we don't really, that's not our kind of like cultural style of acting. Whereas that's completely normal, you know, for many, you know, Spanish speaking audiences, like that's completely normal. And same way with, you know, with, with anime and the original Japanese performances to, for most Americans, like we, we tend to like tone it down just a little bit because to an English speaking audience, if it's too big in English, it's weird. <laughs> like it doesn't work. It works in Japanese, but if we try to like match the Japanese actor's performance, like exactly it would be bizarre. It just wouldn't work. It would be strange. So, yeah, it's that's like a very interesting cultural thing with, you know, culture and language and how, you know, different different people in different places, like what they expect from, from their acting. And, yeah, that's so cool. I mean, that's why, like, a lot of people were, were disappointed with, you know, the Attack on Titan dub when it first came out back in, like, 2014, 2015. Because they're like, oh, why why aren't the English actors, you know, matching the the Japanese performance? And I'm like, they can't. They they, they just so can't. <laughs> they it just would be can't. Very bizarre. You, I promise you, you would not like it. It would be weird. Like it works in Japanese. It works that way. But it just like in English, it would be so. It'd be distracting. I mean, that's the thing. Like one of the things we're you know when we're dubbing, we're going for. It. We don't want anything to be distracting. We don't want anything that's distracting you from the story. So, you know, if, if the acting is just too big and too, like, it's not believable anymore in English. It's just a, it's just a different style. Um, and for a show like Attack on Titan, that's very cinematic and very grounded. And it's, you know, it's not a kooky show, you know, like, it's not a slapstick show. So it would be very strange if the performances didn't, um, like, in English, didn't really match the, the energy of the show. Because it's very grounded and cinematic and you know, dark. So if the performances are too kooky, it's like, it doesn't match. It doesn't match. Right. I mean, and, and to, 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 to people's credit, I mean, the, the dub as with, as with a lot of things, like we were talking about, it got better with time because the actors understood their characters as as time went on, as, as the seasons progressed and as the arcs changed and new people came in and yeah, I mean, and, the new the current dub is really great because it's like mm -hmm. yeah they get it now and uh yeah, yeah. sometimes it <laughs> takes takes a couple episodes to figure figure everything out and that's the same with every tv show like you know the first mm -hmm. couple the first couple of performances are not very good and it gets better as they as they go along anyway <laughs> um <laughs> i think we've read yeah yeah anyway um i got to end up calling it uh so, is there anything else you wanna talk about before I before I end up calling it? Because I gotta gotta go now. I, I, I think we've, co we've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> and but and yeah, no no, I just I just want to point out like before we go, um, you when when I when I reached out to you, you said like I'm worried about that. I don't know what I'm gonna be contributing. Like what your other guests have not contributed before me. I'd yeah, say I, we. I didn't want to like just sound like a you know because. I'm sure everybody talks about, you know, the voiceover industry and I didn't want to just be like a broken record saying, you know, cause there's only so much to say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, after so many episodes, I'm sure people had covered just about every possible aspect. So I didn't want to just be repeating, you know, the stuff that other people already talked about. 
No, but thank you for covering dubbing in detail. I actually did want to cover dubbing in detail, but I just never got the chance to because every time I try to get a dub a dub actor on, it's just like we end up talking about something completely different. But mm-hmm. thank you so much for for doing that because this has been this has been very informative and yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I hope that you know because if you're if you're not working in that in that portion of the industry it probably does seem kind of confusing like how is all that working like um both you know both technically and just the way that the dubbing industry works and all that stuff because you know it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot more complicated than it might seem from the outside so hopefully that gave people some some insider insight about that (laughs) all right and as with as with every closing um where can people find you online and can you give us an update on what you're currently working on sure um so online uh you can find me on instagram my instagram handle is maureen price voice uh i'm on twitter at maureen a price and i think that's mostly it social media i don't I don't have a TikTok. I'm I'm old. <laughs> I don't. Maybe maybe one day. But yeah, for now it's just Instagram and Twitter. Um, and what can I talk about? Stuff that's coming up. Monster Hunter Rise will be out in a couple of weeks. Uh, very excited about that. So yeah, that that's what I've got. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. And we you're welcome. <laughs> love to have you back sometime. Hopefully. Sure Just <laughs> let me know. Maybe I'll have some, some more interesting things to talk about in a year or two. We'll see. But yeah, you take care and thanks so much yeah. for having me. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.